Welcome, everyone, to POV Crypto, the only podcast that both Bitcoiners and Ethereans listen to. I'm David Hoffman, here with my buddy Christian. Christian, how you doing? Dude, it is hot, smoky, and gross in California. It seems like the entire West Coast is on fire. Yep. Yeah, it's smoky in Seattle as well. We're getting smoke all the way up from Oregon, or all the way down from Oregon, up up from Oregon. Uh, and then my friend in San Diego is posting on her Instagram about how it's smoky down there too. So it's the whole entire West Coast, dude. whole entire West Coast is on fire right now. It sucks. So, I mean, I feel like there's – neither of us are scientists. Neither of us, I don't know, like really should have a – strong opinion on climate change but like what's your take on on climate change it seems as though things are getting hotter temperatures are being are more extreme yeah when i was i grew up so i currently live in the same neighborhood that i grew up in same city uh and so when i was a kid before before college there were fires fires weren't a thing and now they're a thing every single summer here in here in washington right and then there were fires have always been a thing in California, but now they just seem to be. I don't remember it like this. Different. Right. Growing yeah. up in LA was not like every single year. Yeah. And like, so maybe, maybe it's climate change. Maybe everything's drier. Uh, maybe, maybe we're just fucking with the forests and the forests are different now and more prone to fires. Maybe like farming is a thing. Maybe that's related, but I mean, let's go with Occam's razor and call it climate change. Yeah, I mean, we we shouldn't get too hung up on this. I'm sure there's some much more impassioned uh, yeah. deniers and believers listening to this pod who just mm-hmm. don't give a shit about what we think. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yo, so outside I, of the world way, burning, the West Coast is on fire. Yeah, outside of the West Coast burning, so are the crypto markets. I guess they're in the green right now. It's Tuesday morning, the eighth, uh, or Tuesday afternoon, but uh, they did have quite the tumble over the course of the weekend. I, I love the second day after the the crash because there's because the second day always is is like you check out your blockfolio and like everything is green because everything just like dips so hard and then it finally bounced like and that was yesterday right like yesterday was the day like your blockfolio was super green because everything just got burned so bad and it finally bounced um, this bounce could have been better uh, but so like there was a number of things that all happened at once like. For some reason, we decided to become super correlated with equities, with with the traditional stock market. That kind of surprised me. I don't know why we would just all of a sudden now become correlated again. Uh, so that's something to take note of. Apparently, a bunch of miners decided to start selling uh, for some reason. Uh, I mean, that happens when miners sell, but they, they, they decided to sell recently. And so that puts down the price. So how do you know that they're miners? I, this is just a, a rumor. Rumor. I like. I could have research. I should be researching it more. Like I heard an article, and okay. through my circles, I hear people like saying, like, "Yeah, miner, miners are deciding to dump right now for some reason." Uh, I, I don't know how they deduce that, but that's just what so, I heard. I mean, I, all I right. Well, you haven't and then there's also well, so, sushi for the Ethereum markets, which deflated a lot of ether gains. Yeah, so I would say that there's like three things that kind of I'm observing right now. First, you're right. There is a strong correlation with stocks. Um, I really think it has to do with when there are big moves in stocks, like the same people that are playing in the stock markets are now playing at least in the big, the large cap crypto markets. They're playing with everything that you can get on Coinbase as far as I'm concerned. Like, so 
if people are selling there, then they're, they have to sell their winners and some of their winners are the big, are the crypto guys. Um, so it, it makes a lot of sense uh, that there is a correlation there. Cause I think that there are a lot of the same individuals that are buying and selling in, in stocks are also buying and selling in large, large cap cryptos. Hmm. Um, be, beyond that, like if you think about Bitcoin, I know, I, I don't know, like Bitcoin and Ethereum, they both mooned, you know, at a much higher price in 2017. But if you think about like, they weren't at those prices for very long. They didn't really earn those so prices. Sure. Yeah. So, so sure. like, if you think about like, what was, what, is there a price that Bitcoin has held for at least 30 days or Ethereum has held for at least 30 days? Like, what's the top of that? Maybe that's probably more like a real top. And for all intensive purposes, 12K is that. Like, right. really everything above 12K have been like very fleeting. And it's, you know, it's been like a 24 hour, two week kind of thing, you know, where the, the price right. is just moving ridiculously and that people are FOMOing in. So, right. I mean, it, with that being said, like, you know, macro people are selling, there's uncertainty. Uh, with you know future stimulus in the u.s uh, a lot mm-hmm. of political tension a lot of other things going on um bitcoin is pretty much at its top uh and then on top of that just massive froth in in the DeFi space massive overbought shit coins mm-hmm. um well, you know massive is, fomo yeah yeah so like all of those things i think that makes for a pretty logical place for a local top like yeah, I, I wasn't super surprised. I think I, I I did call the the top perfectly. I said this would be a good time to sell your shit coins for some Bitcoin. Uh, I think it was on September first, and that was the local top, like almost really? within hours. So I got pretty lucky. Can't say that it was expertise at all. I just like mm-hmm. my gut said, "Yo, this is getting way too crazy," and it, it just worked out. Gut is as good of an expertise as actual expertise, in, in my opinion. Like mar- markets are inherently unpredictable, therefore your gut is as good as, as anything, right? And like we have to remind ourselves, and this this is true coming out of 2016. If you look at the 2016 chart, like when it, we transition from bull to from bear market to bull market, like the way that that works is that a lot of people have to get bought out, right? A lot of people that like bought ether at $80, bought Bitcoin at $3,000, like, all right, well, Bitcoin's now 12K, ether is now like 400, now it's 330. Like they made three, four X, right? And so like, they made a lot of money. And like the, the rule is, if someone makes a lot of money really quickly, they're selling, like that's the rule. Like if you make a lot of money really fast, you sell. That's and like yeah. good luck convincing people to not do that. And so like when when Ether goes from like 260 to 490 almost, and then DeFi tokens do like 10x that, like good luck convincing these people not to sell. Right. And so the 2016 era before the 2017 bull market, and now what this kind of seems like that is what where we are now as well. It's like we still have like a lot of sellers to get through because of what you said. Like Bitcoin's top was 20K, but like it was there for two, it was at 20K for a a couple hours. And then it was above 17K for like three days. And then it was above like 12K for like two weeks or something. Like it feels like a lot longer in my memory, but, but that's because time is weird. And like things have not, like Ether is at like, I would say Bitcoin's 12K, like three, then 300 range. It's like Ether's 12K. I'd be curious to look into both like and see if like, 
what exactly is like, let's just call it a month time period. Like it had to have held the price for at least 30 days um, consecutively. Mm-hmm. I would be interested to see what the all time high is based on that constraint for both. That would probably be a pretty good metric to, yeah. to use moving I, forward. I bet you it's three thirty and 12 K. I bet you it's really <laughs> close to those things. Okay. Well, let, let's take a look and report back. Um, so yeah, David, let's, let's do a little bit of like postmortem on the local top on DeFi as you know, as someone from the outside looking in DeFi is not dead. I think that a lot of these tokens are going to go up a lot. And a lot of these tokens are going to be a big part of the next, uh, mania. Um, but obviously there was a lot of froth and this is just, in my opinion, a precursor, just a preview of the mania that is to come. So I'm, I'm curious, like you being from the inside out, you know, what's your postmortem on the first, uh, yeah, this first iteration. Yeah. Yeah. The first, uh, the first tumble in the, uh, in the grander scheme of things. Yeah. So, all right. So here's what happened. There's, there was a farm there and there are many farms and there is this one farm called sushi swap. And the, uh, the guy that created it was anonymous uh, which is like both a good thing and a bad thing. Like a like good it. thing is it's good. Yeah, like a, a good thing is like projects now DeFi. Right, like like full like Anon founders allow things to become like decentralized and community operated sooner, as like takes Satoshi as a note. However, if you have a DeFi founder who also like SushiSwap did implemented a ten percent dev fund, so that means like all if you mine ten or if you mine nine ten sushi tokens one sushi token gets added to the dev fund and that's controlled by the one DeFi, the one anonymous founder right so like in if you are optimistic it's good and if you're pessimistic it's bad because like this guy is taxing everyone 10 percent of their labor and 10 percent of their capital yeah it's bad overall yeah yeah and so like, that's sketch uh and yeah, so like, you know, Bitcoiners, we know this, think more adversarially and Ethereum people like experiments and generally trust other people. And that turned out to bite the Ethereans who believed in sushi swap in the butt. Um, but, but before we go on, I do want to make one, some important notes is that no one, the only people that lost money are the people that market bought the, the sushi token on Uniswap, which is generally unadvisable if you are trying to take a risk adverse uh, farming strategy. You don't buy the tokens, you farm them. That's why they're called farms. You don't buy them. You're, you're not the produce buyer, you're the produce producer. Um, and so, and then, so they didn't lose money. If you only farm, you didn't lose any money. And, and then if you uh, added liquidity to the sushi Uniswap pool, which was incentivized because that's part of the way that you farm, then you also did lose, lose money. Um, well, but everyone, sushi is also at, at all-time highs right now, so I think no one lost money. Is it really? It, if you, oh, wow. Yeah, it's I like over ten dollars now. Holy shit! Okay, yeah. So, so there, I think it is a bull market. It is a bull market. Wow, for that's sure. I did not know that in the fucking slightest. That is crazy. So it's well, it's okay, funny well, as you're going through this, but I had to throw in the correction that yeah. Wow, well, I did it, not know that. If it has been decentralized, it was decentralized right. by FTX and Sam, who like now divvied up the yeah, multi-sig you know into well i know i know a lot about sam but i don't know very much about this other than sam sam is very advantageous why do you why do you what do you mean by advantageous so i mean i would say that ftx.com is the best exchange right now in terms of coming up with really unique products and being really quick to ship and mm-hmm. trying to be 
crypto native. Like as far as I can tell, number one with the bullet, they took Binance's playbook and they, you know, they did it better and faster and more recklessly than yeah, Binance. So that's what I've heard know? too, is they're like, they're Binance 2.0. Yeah. I mean, totally. Uh, so, I mean, I, I would do, I've interviewed him twice. I think he's a genius, uh, but uh, I would, he, he's been really quick to jump on this and he's using this as like, he's trying to steal this momentum and take it to his own private or, you know, BC blockchain, which is Serum mm-hmm. um, right. and yes. Solana. So, right. um, I mean, he has an initiative. Uh, he is playing in the DeFi space. He's a whale. Um, he's shipping products. He's listing every DeFi token on FTX. Um, you know, he's just trying to do whatever he can to keep FTX.com as relevant as possible. Yeah. So, so there are some conspiracies about the relationship it's between the sushi founder and Sam. Um, generally in my circles, people think, don't trust him. And it's largely because they're taking it off to Sarah, Serum, right? Which is also a terrible name for an Ethereum killer. Because as so, far as Ethereum people are concerned, like Serum is just one of the many Ethereum killers. Yeah, I mean, so my my thoughts around Ethereum have changed a lot, and I would say what as with what Ethereum is today, Ethereum's biggest competitors are actually centralized exchanges directly. Um, and so I would say FTX is one of Ethereum's biggest competitors. So I think Ethereum and DeFi are directly competing with every bucket shop. Like that is what we're seeing. And gas fees are the price to transact on the, the coordinated decentralized cloud infrastructure. So I, I think that there's issues with Ethereum. I think that there's differences between Ethereum and Bitcoin. But as far as what DeFi is competing against, it's definitely, you know, shitcoin exchanges and it's doing a really freaking good job of it so it's interesting to see and if people should be very skeptical of sam sam's trying to eat your lunch yo yeah yeah um and like the, i feel like some part of the sushi community has like rallied behind it because like at some point you're as a community member you're incentivized for number go up and so if sam is making number go up then then so be it um yeah, it is interesting. Like we, in some way, where the sushi founder like market dumped all the sushi and bailed from the project, it's kind of like if Satoshi had pulled a Charlie Lee very early and said like, "All right, well, I made it, so now I'm out." So like formalizing the fact that the, it doesn't matter that there was a founder at one point in time because he's the founder relevant now. So in the name of like decentralization, that's I guess that's a little bit bullish. Because like you all, you always want people that you know aren't aligned with the community members to sell to other people that are aligned with community members. Um, so like that's interesting. Um, there there is even further conspiracies where like the sushi coordinator and Sam uh, coordinated between themselves as like this massive big like psyops opportunity. There's even more conspiracy theories that like Sam is the sushi founder because um, conspiracy theory theories all abound. Uh, I, I think, and I think to some degree, this has already happened. People are going to forget about it um, and just move on and just resume farming because there's still plenty of farms out there. There's still plenty of yield, right? So now that there's a lot of leverage out of the system, um, we can farm more safely. And at some point, leverage will just fall right back into the system. Yeah, no, I don't think that the cycles are ending. Definitely not now. Um, so. Uh, again, this is just a, a a glimpse into what we can see or what is going to happen in the future. 
and mo- most likely on a you know orders of magnitude greater scale. So, agreed, agreed. Um, so something that you now. Yeah, I mean, so I, I want to bring up something. So, like, I saw a post from Alex Gus. I think he's like Gus Gusman. Yeah, Gusman at dot ETH or whatever. Um, but he he like posted a thing of like the guy sweating trying to choose which but like between two buttons, and it was like uh, claiming to be a profit maximalist, and then like you know being a profit maximalist versus virtue signaling on Twitter. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. Uh, and then I kind of boiled it down to be like profit maximalist is short-term thinker in the Ethereum space and virtue, you know, a virtuous signaler or someone who is like more of like a ETH first, like kind of F the short-term profits, F the shit coins, F bad actors. Like that's more of a long-term thinker in the ETH space. What do you think of that, of that take? Yeah. So vir- you're saying like virtue signaling is like signaling for the benefit of Ethereum. Right. And like to that is somewhat aligned with being like an ETH bag holder, because, you know, if you are a bag holder of ETH and you're absconding from like the profits of DeFi tokens, you're signaling that like you're committed to Ethereum, not, not necessarily the transient farm that just cropped up a few moments ago. Is that what you're saying? Sure. I mean, and I would say, I'm sure that a lot of ETH people would say like, we don't actually sell our ETH. We, you know, we leverage it and, you know, right. take out a loan and then, you know, use that to get mm-hmm. yield, blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying like that. Like he was saying, like someone brought up an example of like, you know, sushi going to Solana and that, like, that's bad for Ethereum and like ETH people getting taken advantage of by, um, you know, uh, scammers who are, you know, trying to take, you know, take advantage of Ethereum people's goodwill. And he's saying, well, profit maximalists shouldn't care, you know, like profit maximalists just here to make the money and take advantage of the, the opportunity and, you know, move on and either get their ETH or BTC or USD, you know, and, you know, Mm. like, I don't know. I feel like, okay, so that person is kind of a parasite to the ETH space. I would say that they're a short-term thinker in the ETH space versus someone who is like, maybe like, Hey, you know, I don't like farming on projects that have bad will towards the community. Like I'm only going to, participate in goodwill projects or you know i'm gonna like on twitter i'm gonna you know say hey f this instead of just trading it or whatever right so like to some degree profit maximalists like this space this space at large bitcoin included commits to profit maximalists right because that's how hype cycles happen if like the sushi farm moves off to solana and then a bunch of people move on to solana to farm sushi like, I don't think, I can't think of a more strong signal that this bear market or this bull market is fucking for real, right? Because people don't give a fuck about anything and they're here for the money. And that's, that's like the average person. Like, average person doesn't give a shit about Bitcoin. Average person doesn't give a shit about Ethereum. But if they're coming in to, like, be a profit maximalist, like, I, like that was probably me in 2017. I mean, I'm kind of an idealistic guy, but uh, to some degree. You are a profit maximalist for sure. But yeah, and you, you were idealistic too. I was, yeah, it's was pretty idealistic. Like all the tokens I bought, I had like a narrative for. Um, uh, but like, that's how this thing works. Sorry? Dad, I remember your crazy stories. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Spank chain. Um, and, but so yeah, but, but this is just a commitment to how the space works. Like there's the, the believers that stick around through the bear market that build things for the profit maximalists to come in and take advantage of. And then some of the profit maximalists get converted into believers and then those guys cycle through. So 
you know, to some degree. And like, and there's also like, there's also nuance there. You can be a profit maximalist for some farm and then a believer in another farm. Like for example, Wifey has done a fantastic job turning people into believers, right? And I would say the same is, is true for yams as well. And also to some degree based, but I would still say the jury's out on that one. Um, but there are also plenty of farms like Swerve maybe is more of a profit maximalist, like Sushi, definitely profit maximalist, because unlike all the other farms out there, Sushi was a vampire t- attack on Uniswap, right? So it wasn't value additive, it was value theft, right? It was taking back Uniswap and taking and putting it over to Sushi. So it wasn't generative, um, whereas uh, Yearn and Wifey and, and Yams are actually generative of value. Um, and so like, there's different, like, just like in the way there's values and ethos baked into Bitcoin and Ethereum, there's also value, values and ethos, like, baked in, and culture baked into these individual farms that are largely defined on how the protocol works, right? Like, and in hindsight, the 10% dev fund for Sushi is baking in values that we kind of overlooked as a community and just like, oh, you know, dev fund, sure, like, dev, dev funds are important. We like to pay our developers, I guess. And then it turns out to be like, no, that's... The dev fund actually meant a founder's reward, according to the sushi founder. Yeah, so a dev fund always means one person or one group has like mm-hmm. a seniorage over everyone else. So pretty much always bad. Like I guess like there's I'm sure there's some formats that are not supposed to be that decentralized or whatever. You're just trying to distribute amongst a small group. Okay, that could make sense, but terms of if you're trying to massively decentralize like that right there is just a critical bug in my opinion 100 yeah, yeah, i would agree I, I i would agree if it's seniorage of the token in question which it was um however yearn has nine people that it's paying for from the treasury not from this the minting of new wifey tokens because there's a very strong growing social contract that there will only ever be 30,000 wifey tokens ever. Uh, and therefore there, these people are being paid for from the revenue generated by the protocol. Right. So there is like a quote unquote dev fund, I guess you would call it that it's really more protocol salaries. Um, but certain people are being well, paid out of the protocol, but it's the revenue of the protocol, not the equity of the protocol. Yeah, well, I think I think that you're making clear distinctions there. I would push back and say that you know, the yearn token and community is less than a month old. So like any social contract, like no, it's uh, it's uh, ten weeks old, bro. Okay, well, whatever. That's still not that long. So it's it's, well, it's a couple orders of magnitude larger than what you just said. <laughs> okay, it, it's it's ten weeks old, and you know that's still a very young project, and. You know, you have to just take all of these things with a grain of salt. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Um, however, a lot of early uh, culture is baked in. It, a lot of culture is baked in early, right? And I, I think, I believe that this 30,000 hard cap limit is, is here to stay. For some reason, the community really, really likes it. Um, so, um, so I have a question for you. It's like sure. twenty over 29,000 tokens have already been minted. So like the distribution of the Wi-Fi tokens um, is like almost complete, right? Like there's very no, few tokens think, left to be distributed. Did you go and see that on CoinGecko? Uh, I mean, yeah, I was just looking at like, the third, like what's the, what's the, just tell me more about the distribution yeah, strategy. 
all thir- all thirty thousand are are done, and it was done a long time ago. It was done, okay. like, I think, in the first two weeks. Thirty thousand have been out for a while. So there's no more no. Wi-Fi uh, farming. There's no there's no farm. Yeah, the, the farm hasn't existed for like eight eight seven or eight so, weeks. Okay, so what like what do you think of that? Because like one, I mean, a lot of Ethereum. I mean, I don't think Ethereum people care about distribution that much, but like some of them do say like, oh, well, like Bitcoin's distribution is obviously unfair because, you know, so many early miners got so many tokens. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it took four years for 50% of Bitcoins, uh, for the first 50% of Bitcoins to be mined. And that was largely dur- during like a very unknown period of time. Like Wifey being completely mined in two weeks, like, yeah. How do you feel like that affects the distribution and like all that stuff? Yeah. Not, not only was it like completely mined within two weeks, but like it also mooned really, really fast, right? Like it's 10 weeks old and it's already over a billion dollar, probably not now, but it, it got to a billion dollar market cap in under 10 weeks. Right. And so like, not only was it mined fast, but also moon fast, which like cuts off retail. Right. And so like, if you weren't in there to begin with, like you're, you're already priced out to some degree. Like you're not, you're not the, a lot, a lot of the upside has already happened. Um, so yeah, that, that sucks for distribution. Um, but it's not a global currency, right? It is equity in a protocol. It's governance over a protocol. And so like large, large wide entropy and distribution for Wi-Fi doesn't actually negatively impact the protocol all that much, right? Like, it's still sufficiently distributed to the point where like um, governments aren't going to be able to do anything and it's uh, distributed enough to where governance is anti-fragile probably. And it's, it's, but it's also centralized enough where governance can be really nimble. And so I actually kind of credit that like Wi-Fi and the Urine protocol are credited with like being the fastest shipping project to date in the crypto space ever. Like the amount of shipping that it has done is absolutely insane. And not only shipping, but like successful shipping, like shipping out like A plus additions that people use like on day one. Like they shipped out the Y ETH uh, integration and there's already 300,000 ETH in there, which is insane. And so, you know, I credit, I credit that, that more concentration of Wi-Fi tokens as to perhaps a reason why they, this protocol can be more nimble. Yeah, I'm still like, I'm still trying to understand like, how censorship resistance these things need to be therefore how decentralized they need to be um and then try to evaluate do they meet the right level of censorship resistance like so like that's kind of how i'm going about thinking about it um it seems as though a lot of the ones that i've looked at so far and i have to say i haven't done that much research just like looking at the most popular ones that you know are intriguing me like i'm, I'm obviously looking at quality but almost all of these have been like 99% farmed completely, you know, kind of out the gate. I'm just kind of curious, like what's like, what does that mean for the distribution overall? And again, like Ethereum people have criticized Bitcoin's distribution. Um, Bitcoiners have obviously criticized Ethereum's distribution. These are all like way more quickly mined than any of those projects. Right. Right. And again, it does like being a global non-sovereign currency, requires like has a different optimum level of distribution than like a farm to equity token over a protocol with cash flows and a treasury right um so so that's important to keep in mind one thing that does concern me is that like 
this whole yield farming thing is like supposed to be like the new and improved ICO basically, right? Like instead of having an investment yep. contract, instead of having like, instead of like selling one asset for another, you are instead just locking up your assets as an opportunity cost to signal your commitment to a protocol. And then you get the tokens, right? And you farm those tokens. And then a new farm hop crops up and then you migrate your capital over to the new farm, including the new tokens that you just farmed. And then a new farm hops up and then you move your capital that way. And then including the new, new tokens that you just farmed. And so I, what, like one thing we can talk about the distribution, the lack of distribution on these like pop up quickly mined farms. What really can, can um, bothers me is that like, the distribution of Wi-Fi and then Yams and Based and Swerve and Sushi are largely all the same like core group of people who are just moving their they're just DeFi whales and that's why that's why Ethereum prices are so fucking high is because like the same core group of people call it like I don't know a thousand ten thousand individuals are making like you know big moves on Ethereum farming all the tokens and so like sure we have like less we have less lesser distribution of def of these uh farm tokens and ether which i still think is okay but what does bother me is that the distribution of all these farm tokens are all the same distribution they're just going to the same people and it's all the whales yeah and but i the also don't are, think that's the all whales that's are happy in real life whales are, whales are happy yeah whales are happy with ethereum right now so i mean I do think that what we're seeing in the yield farming space is inflation. And Sam said, Sam said that on uh, the Bitcoin magazine panel that he was on a month Mm -hmm. ago, um, where we did talk about DeFi with a bunch of Bitcoin maximus, which was an interesting experience. Uh, You can check it out on YouTube, but um, I think I will. Yeah, you should. We actually made a clip, David, so it'll be much easier. But uh, Sam did make the observation. He's like, a lot of this is inflation. Like, you know, obviously, like there's the hard money side of crypto. And then there's obviously the inflation side of crypto. ICOs, uh, DeFi is a very interesting form of like uh, way to distribute uh, route around regulation. Uh, It's awesome that Jake was a big part of kind of coming up with it with with Comp. And I mean, I think it kind of cements him as, and I don't know how much he had to do with it, how much, you know, the rest of the team did, but kind of cements him as like someone who uh, is probably going to be a legal innovator and like, like lead in setting precedent, which uh, I think is bullish. So um, I don't know, like it's, it's just interesting to see how open source just eats the world. Like whether it's Bitcoin, whether it's token distribution incentives, like this is like whatever yield farming is, it's 10 times better than airdrops and ICOs. That's for sure. Right. Yes, in terms I of agreed with that. Although I like, I'm, I feel like what we're seeing right now is still very far from optimal. Yeah, and to some degree, that's just like written to, into the fabric of the universe, right? Like, w- rich people have optionality, and poor people don't, and that's written into. It's not written into Ethereum. That's just written into the world. Um, yeah, I, I would rule. say, yeah. I, I would say that you're saying that these farm tokens are inflation is like a pretty blunt take uh, because I don't think that you consider like Bitcoin gold or Bitcoin diamond as inflation to Bitcoin, yeah. right? Well, no, but the fact that they are tokens that are insta printed and then have some sort of tradable value, I think that that is inflation. So then Bitcoin gold and Bitcoin diamond are also inflation. Well, they are not like inflationary to Bitcoin but it is inflation in the world. 
inflation. It's is literally, it is yeah, it's so like, money printing. Right. Like Bitcoin market, did have market great inflation in the world. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually partly why I'm always perpetually bullish on Ethereum is because like Ethereum is a place to just host a bunch of fucking market caps all over the place and then trade against Ether. Ether has Bitcoin does benefit from inflation, but Ether gets much more benefit, like much more direct benefit right. from inflation. Right. Ether. But I, the, there's also a downside to inflation. We do. We also know about the downsides to inflation too. We, we like inflation creates big bubbles, and those yes. bubbles unwind. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. But they so far in the crypto space, they never unwind all the way. They yeah, always, we have. They always have a new, we haven't seen new floor. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's, that's take though. It's like Ether benefits is like the Cantillon insider of all of like the fucking DeFi tokens that spin up billion dollar market caps in two weeks on its platform. It's well, I mean, take. Ethereum, but I don't know. Like it, we have yet to see if Ether actually one hundred percent captures it. I know there's going to be future things to change that, but um, we'll see. Well, I mean, the sushi swap guy didn't didn't he traded his sushi for ether? He didn't trade it for Dai or USDC or Bitcoin. Traded it yep. for ether. Yep. We'll see how that continues to escalate. Yeah, I think it could it be a bad trader, but there's a, there's the sushi trader was decent. Yeah, <laughs> the, the trader trader. How do you like that? Um, the Ether locks in DeFi all time high, not even not by not even a little bit, not even a little bit. Yeah, up the ranks. I mean, dude, I think most Bitcoin and Ethereum stats are at all time high. Yeah, yeah. Like really interesting stats are like the amount of like amount of wallets with this amount of Ethereum or this amount of Bitcoin. Um, I'd be interested mm-hmm. to see what the what the Glassnode stats are on the amount of Ethereum walls with 32 ETH in them. I feel yeah. like if if that number is rising, that's bullish. Uh, the amount of walls with one Bitcoin in them has, is at all time high, which is very bullish. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of good fundamental stats out there. Yeah, yeah. No, Ether addresses holding 32 Ether is definitely at a very strong slope, increasing slope. That is so for sure. should we pull that up or? Should we just wrap this show up? Uh, I wouldn't know where to pull it up. All right. We're, we're going to have to come in with with more slides for, for the next show, but uh, I think this was a pretty fun rip. Cool. Nice, short, and concise. I'm going to go to the dentist for the first time in like four years. Good luck. That's what, that's what I'm about to go do. Cavity my stuff. Healthcare, my, health, my healthcare is running out of out at Realty, so I figured like, well, if I'm ever going to do it, I might as well do it now. Tomorrow's <laughs> my last day at Realty. Congratulations. All right, y'all. I'm going to I'm gonna edit this one real quick. Um, but you can catch the show at POV Crypto Pod. Let's send POV Crypto to the moon. Nowhere else are you going to get this kind of analysis from me and Mr. David Hoffman. And uh, yeah, follow me at CK underscore snarks. You can find me at Bitcoin Magazine. You can find me at Trustless State, both on Twitter and on Bankless. Thanks, everyone, for listening.